Today's episode of State of the Nation is brought to you by Game Time. Okay, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think Raiders tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with Game Time, the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. Game Time is the leader in last minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy in two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download Game Time in the App Store or Google Play. Work that clock to your advantage and score last minute tickets. I love the Raiders. Most of all, I love to win. You're now listening to State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, and Ted Wynn on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. Jimmy Durkin and Ted Wynn back here in the States, and we are joined by Vic Tafer overseas in London, where the Raiders finally, they finally won a game in London. They beat the Chicago Bears 24-21. Just a pretty wild game. I mean, just your average jump out to a 17-0 lead, blow the lead, and and still find a way to get a win. Yeah, I was pretty shocked. I think I was shocked the whole way through. I was shocked at the great start, shocked at the big comeback, the 21 points in the third quarter, shocked at the really bad call on that Mohurst sack and Worley fumble, uh, interception. Just uh, shocked, shocked throughout the whole the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't think, you know, if, if you told me the Raiders are going to come out in a, to a 17-0 lead, I, I would not believe it. And uh, but credit to them, they came out and uh, you know we talked about in this pod the only way they were going to move the ball is they ran the ball up the middle of the defense, and that's exactly what they did. Uh, credit to Colton Miller and Richie Incognito, they just collapsed that left side, and so many of those runs came on uh, cutbacks there. And then, like you talked about, the you know with the Bears coming back, the the Raiders having to face adversity and. And once again, mounting a drive from 96 yards out, just an extremely surprising game. I mean, here was a game where the, the excuses were there. They were all set up. I and mean, we talked about how, how Gruden had kind of set up the excuses for this whole rough road trip. You know, the, the six weeks without a game uh, at the Coliseum, you know, five straight road games. And here they are. They're two and one on this road trip. Um, they still have two more tough games. But, I mean, they have a chance to have a winning record on this uh, on this impossible portion of the schedule and and like I said the excuses were set up right here I mean you're without Tyrell Williams you're without JJ Nelson you're without Cleland Furl you know you're missing all these guys you've you've had to do all this travel and things go against you and uh, that's what impressed me the most about this win is that they kind of just blew those excuses out of the way and, and found a way to win despite having plenty of reasons to 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 lose the game. Yeah, we thought that uh, Gruden was setting up the excuses, but really he was setting us up. He was setting us up for the big, uh, the big reveal. Uh, obviously, this team believes in each other. They um, have good depth. Who, who, who would have thought they had good depth? But uh, definitely a lot of guys made plays. A lot of guys came out of nowhere. And just uh, both sides of the ball, offense and defense, just um, a total team effort. And uh, yeah, definitely stole the storyline. It was supposed to be Cleo Mack you know, versus Derek Carr. And really it was the running game of the Raiders and the defense of the uh, – Raiders getting four sacks. Yeah, and a lot of the reason why Khalil Mack was pretty much neutralized. I mean, he had one good rush on Trent Brown, and um, Carr kind of just threw threw the ball on the ground there. But part of the reason why he was neutralized is because Josh Jacobs was running the ball 
so well. And when he was running the ball that effectively, you don't have to pass as much. The defensive line has to stay near the line of scrimmage instead of rushing upfield. Um, so yeah, the running, the run game and being able to run efficiently was just a, a huge part in, uh, keeping Mac, you know, at bay and moving the ball. And as we guessed, oh, because as we guessed, you know, during our previous show, definitely a focus was to not let Mac be the star of the game. I mean, yeah, obviously against Trent Brown, it was mostly one-on-ones, but on the other side against Colton, a lot of help. But one play, I saw a couple tight ends were there helping chip away at him. So definitely, I think if Gruden was uh, okay with another player, the Bears stepped up and made some plays, but no one really did. And it was kind of just a, a bad effort by the Bears defense. Well, and what hurt them too, uh, Akeem Nix lose, leaves the game in the right. first quarter with an elbow injury. I mean, he's such an impact player too on that defensive line. Um, so losing him, it made it even easier for them to focus their attention on Khalil. Yeah, and it made it easier to run the ball inside, too. Yep. yep. I mean, I know, I, I remember watching the first play, you, you know, Vic, you talked about this, having different guys on Khalil, and the first play alone, you saw, obviously, Colton Miller was lined up against him. Richie Incognito throws a chip, and I think it was Josh Jacobs came and, and added a chip from the outside. I mean, they basically, like, they 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 wanted to set the tone early that you're going to see a lot of different guys. Uh, I thought Darren Waller um, held his own in, in times against Khalil. I mean, which is is good to see from a guy who's showing up to be a, an electric pass receiving tight end. Um, he had opportunities to block Khalil Mack and did well. Um, really, that that whole front line. Um, you know, you saw the one play where Khalil pressured Derek Carr, where he kind of blew past Trent Brown, and and hey, that happens. We know how good the guy is, but. Um, other than that, that whole front line uh, and, and, and pass protection, and, and you got to credit the game plan. I mean, they, you know, they weren't going to let Derek Carr sit back there and try to throw deep passes and give the Bears defense a lot of time to rush the passer. And uh, the game plan was effective. Yeah, it's pretty shocking when you consider that their starting receivers were uh, Keelan Doss, Hunter Renfro, and Trevor Davis. I mean, it's a fifth round pick, a guy they cut and brought back, and a guy they traded for uh, two weeks ago. That's pretty amazing that that, that uh, starting receiver set was part of this big win. Yeah, I think um, the the game plan was going to be to use a lot of 22, uh, 21 personnel anyways. Uh, but I thought that just having a guy, not having a guy that could take the top off the defense would hurt the Raiders because I thought it would just allow the um, the Bears to stack the box against the Raiders. But surprisingly, they didn't stack the box as much as I thought they were going to, even when um, the Raiders were were getting a you know pretty consistent games on them. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm not sure why they didn't, but, um, you know, with Tyrell Williams back and if the Raiders could run the ball the way they did against the Bears against other teams, you know, maybe Tyrell's a, a, enough on the outside for the Raiders to keep going. Yeah. Trent Brown talked about their new identities. They're kind of a smash mouth team. That's what they pride themselves on the last couple of weeks. And they have two big wins doing that. And it just uh, doesn't matter who they go against. If it's Khalil Mack or the Bears defense, they feel they can run the ball and they all have the utmost faith in Josh Jacobs, who looks like a future star. Looks like a guy, you know, when we look back on this cool Max trade, it'll be uh, Josh Jacobs was the first pick they got for him and another one next year, but it's definitely a good start when you have a guy who's already one of your offensive centerpieces. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, it looks good. The uh, leading receiver for the Raiders on the game, Foster Moreau, four catches, 46 yards, followed by Trevor Davis, four catches, 42 yards. So we're talking about a, a rookie backup tight end that we kind of thought was more of just a, a blocking type and a guy who wasn't even on the team a couple weeks ago. Uh, I mean, that to be able to win a game with that as your receiving core, those are your leading receivers, I mean, that 
that shows, you know, we, we've been hard at times on Gruden and his game planning and his play design and all that, that he, you know, he has a good opening script, but doesn't, you know, find a way to keep it going. Uh, you got to give him credit for being able to, to win a game with that as your offensive personnel. Our next show was a Wednesday or Thursday. We're going to do a bi-week special. We're going to do a, just a total John Gruden apology show. We're all going to apologize for everything we criticize him for. We're all going to take turns. It's going to be beautiful. A lot of candle. It's going to be nice. There were some really n- nicely drawn plays to Foster Moreau. Like there, there was one where I, I think it was either it was third and one, and yeah. they, they faked a play action, and then it, you know it was a designed look off to Darren Waller who was on motion to to one side, and then Moreau was just wide open on that drag. So uh, credit Gruden, he, he drew up some really nice plays, and it, it wasn't all used on the you know the first drive or, or opening script. They were in a formation that looked pretty predictable. They, were, they had an extra offensive lineman out there, two tights, plus the extra offensive lineman, running back, fullback. Everyone's expecting to run the ball, especially how successful they had been with uh, with Jacobs. Yeah, that was uh, that that was probably his best play call of the game. And then I would say the best throw that Derek Carr made today was the, the one that, that got him down to the two-yard line right before the go-ahead yeah, touchdown. That was, that was a, uh, you know tight man-to-man coverage from Roquan Smith on Moreau. And, uh, you know, basically just... Put it in a spot where it was either going to be caught by Moreau or or probably uh, you know sail out of bounds. Uh, he put it right in, in in a great spot, and Moreau give him credit for uh, for getting up there and making the catch and, and getting down at the two yard line to set up the TD. Yeah, Moreau made plays. You mentioned Jacobs, Max Crosby, another you know, had a sack. I just think that these rookies have really like Derek Carr hit on it after the game. It's a very mature bunch of rookies, which are really fitting in well and kind of uh, taking on some leadership roles early on and kind of leading this team to win. So it's kind of exciting for, for Derek Carr to be a part of that. And Alex Ingold had a, a great game blocking too. I mean, you know, just right. I haven't reviewed the game yet, but I've seen a few, a few clips of him just, you know, mauling defensive linemen. So, you know, another good decision to keep uh, Ingold over uh, Keith Smith. Especially, and you've seen the, the couple times they've given him the ball, the you know, a couple handoffs he's gotten. He's gotten first down, so he's. I mean, that's. I think that was always the thought with Ingold is that he has a little bit more ability with the ball, a little more offensive ability, and he showed that when uh, when they've given him the ball, he's delivered. Yeah, and how about that uh, that diving block he had on that last Jacobs touchdown? He he dove over the end zone first and made a block, and then Jacobs dove after him. That was, that was a great block. You mentioned Waller earlier. He had the big block on the uh, DeAndre Washington touchdown. Just a great block to free him up. So just uh, the blocking has been great, not only on the line, but also you mentioned the running backs and the tight ends can all block. So I think that's kind of, uh, like we said, it's kind of a new centerpiece of this team. They're all going to block and they're all going to open holes up for their running backs. You know, I think one of the themes of this game was resiliency. Uh, they sure, thir- certainly showed that really throughout. You know, you look at that first drive, um, and I looked up the numbers. You know, they're one of the best teams in the NFL on their opening drive. They uh, Entering the game today, they were tied for third in the NFL, averaging 53.5 yards per drive on their first drive of the game, and it averaged 4.25 points. They had scored two touchdowns and a field goal on their on their opening drive through the first four games. And and had, gen- had averaged uh, four minutes, 32 seconds off the clock. Well, that's basically exactly what they did on that first drive. Uh, 10 plays, 54 yards, uh, took 518. And it probably should have been a field goal, but um, there was that penalty on Richie Incognito. And that felt like one of those blows early on. It's like, man, this the Raiders aren't going to be able to move the ball against the, the Bears today. They need to score when they can. And when they missed out on that three points, I mean, I think we all thought, wow, this could be one of those things that prevents them from winning this game. Yeah, and I think surprisingly, almost every drive, they they had some success moving the ball. 
So I, I was kind of the same boat as you. I thought, you know, this opening script, they're doing well. They really need to score here. It didn't happen. And I thought there, there was going to be a lot less opportunities, but they were pretty efficient on offense today. Just think about like how these things turn on the smallest things. Like, I mean, if there's a, before they're uh, – their uh, big nice seven yard, yard drive, like the third or fourth play, they have a third and eight, and Derek Carr throws a two yard pass to Derek Carrier, and people at home, I'm sure, are, are moaning, and what the hell is that call? And here we go again, we're going to lose the game, and they're going to punt the ball away. There's a roughing the punter play, which makes it, you know, uh, fourth and one, and they go for a fake punt, and they make it, and Eric Harris gets the, gets the ball. But imagine if there is no roughing the punter, then they probably lose this game, and everyone's ripping. Uh, car and the conservative play calling at the end so it's just amazing how the smallest things can determine an outcome Vic I'm, I'm wondering you know you being there do you have any sense of why they didn't attempt after that incognito penalty it would have been like a 54 yard field goal which seems within Carlson's ranges is was there wind going in that direction did you, did you get any sense either during the game or after the game as why they wouldn't have attempted that field goal from the 36 no yeah no the field seemed it seemed like in good condition and it wasn't really a wind it wasn't supposed, supposed to rain it didn't rain that much I mean it sprinkled at times but I think that Willie was a good question to ask but of course after that point after the wind so <laughs> much ha- so much happened I mean it was just like Ridiculous, you know, roller coaster ride that we didn't have a chance to ask about that decision, but I'm sure we will at some point. But I just think that they should have gone for it. I think in hindsight they probably would have, but I just think that uh, in the end it didn't didn't matter. I think it was a you know I think they wanted to play a field position game. So if if they didn't make that field goal, they would have gave the Bears pretty good field position. They probably felt like they could they had a good chance on defense to stop them and get better field position if you know if if they just punted the ball, which they did. That's what I thought. Yeah, I mean, it was one of those things that seemed like it, it could be a big moment in the game, and then they basically just laughed it off by, you know, bursting out to a 17 nothing lead. Uh, to go, you know, get the ball and, and go right down on the next drive, get it back on an interception. They're, they're forcing turnovers uh, suddenly again. They're, they're getting interceptions here. Uh, the Nicholas Morrow pick uh, to set up another touchdown. Uh, I mean, this is two straight weeks now that they've, in short order, been able to go take a 14 nothing lead on a team uh on the road in a hostile environment i know this was a home game but uh definitely a bear's presence there so they're they're building a toughness about them that they aren't they aren't afraid of being in those environments and and they're finding way against good teams i mean it's not like the colts and the bears are bad teams that they're just beating up on um they're doing this good good teams and and finding a way to to jump out on to leads on them and that's that's a, a good sign of a team that's building something. Yeah, this whole crazy schedule actually may, may work out for them. The whole five games in a row, in a row, they're together all the time. They go to meetings, they go out to eat together, they go back to the hotel room and look at film and talk about things. Definitely like a long kind of training camp type experience again. They're kind of doing a lot of bonding and there's a lot of belief in each other. I think that no matter who plays and both these last two wins, they've missed guy, key guys who were injured or out. It hasn't mattered. So I just think that uh, they're kind of coming together. They're kind of enjoying this whole underdog role and being on the road for five straight weeks. So it may actually it may be a positive when we're all said and done. Yeah, I think they're definitely finding identity. And they you know, they talked a lot about being wanting to be a strong run team, but it, it's one thing to talk about. It's another thing to actually execute it. And to see them do it against the Bears is, is you know, it's a good thing. And um, and they, they found a little bit of a pass rush lately. They have four sacks today. Mo Hurst had two. Crosby's continuing to play well and, you know, maybe with Claude and Farrell missing, this might be a, a good opportunity to see more um, more Crosby and getting him, getting him more even more snaps because he, he looks like he could be one of the Raiders' best pass rushers right now. I was just going to say, also, we, we haven't mentioned Devontae's perfect, though. I think um, 
may have been a factor by not being there. I think the players were upset that he was suspended. I think a lot of guys like him, but I'm not sure he was missed as far as, you know, on the field in terms of getting guys in the right position. I think Whitehead did a nice job, and Nicholas Morrow made some plays. So I'm not sure he was missed so much, like, on the field, but just I think the whole the chip on the shoulder thing was added, I think, by him not being there and players being mad about his suspension. Yeah, and he set up, I think, what, Tuesday he'll have the uh, the appeal, and we'll see. I mean, I think we both, we all thought when we talked about this midweek that upon appeal it would probably get reduced. And then, of course, the NFL found a way to leak out, hey, by the way, there was this other helmet-to-helmet hit that we found during the game. And um, at that point, that, that almost feels like one of those things that that, was, that piece of information was put out there in the public just to let you know that, yeah, it, 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 it might not get reduced. It probably isn't getting reduced. I, I mean, there's no way to predict how these things will happen. But uh, after that information came out, I, I kind of think he probably is done for the year. Yeah, I like when I put that uh, video out on social media. Raider fans thought it wasn't a big deal, like that was a you know clean hit, but uh, it wasn't helmet to helmet. But my, my thing is, you watch that that play. He wasn't even concerned at all about where the ball was going. I mean, the ball was going to the other side of the field, and he's going out to kill somebody. I mean, take a, a you know a kill shot on someone. So to me, that's just a bad look. I mean, I know we've talked about this. And Raider fans are very defensive about their newfound guy, which I understand. I appreciate that, but that play does not look good. I think for him at all. Yeah, and again, you know, with all these comparisons to these other hits, like it, it doesn't make sense because perfect is not being suspended for the season for that one hit or the those two hits he's being suspended because he's done this before they warned him about it and he did it again so they they gave him a a a bigger suspension so and and i thought nicholas morrow's speed was pretty noticeable in the field today i mean he had that interception but he he was flying around making tackles uh so it it was good to see from morrow who's been uh sort of a developmental project here I mean, if they are largely a nickel, I think Whitehead and Morrow might just be their best linebacker combination. I think maybe this works out for the best for them. Maybe they found a combination they weren't going to try originally. And I, you know, I've always said Whitehead doesn't, for me, doesn't make a lot of plays on the outside. I thought I could do more. Maybe this is a better spot for him. Maybe he's better suited to be inside. Yeah, the, the other play Raider fans are, were pretty defensive about is the, that incognito penalty that we talked about. A lot of them uh, didn't. I mean, to me, that was pretty clear cut and dry penalty. I mean, it was... I mean, is it is it the most egregious thing in the world? Is it something that probably happens a lot more than than gets flagged? Yeah, but uh, pretty unnecessary to just you know shove a guy's head into the ground as you're uh, as you're finishing off a play. And I mean, if you do that right out in the open with a, an official seeing it, they're going to flag that any time. Yeah, he's got no better. He's got no better than that. He's he's a he's a veteran. He's been 15 years. He has to know that he can't do that. So the other big turning point, or at least it seemed like it was going to be a turning point in this game, was you know the first drive of the third quarter. Uh, the Raiders you know, forced a forced a punt for the Bears on their first drive, and here they had the ball. Let's get it going. Let's see if they can add to this lead, put this game away. And uh, what looked like to be a Derek Carr audible from uh, from a, a handoff to a pitch, and uh, Josh Jacobs didn't get that message and. Uh, it was a play that on the surface looked pretty bad as Derek Carr is rifling this pitch and uh, Josh Jacobs not particularly close, not even close enough to really get a hand on it. And uh, it's a turnover that turns into an easy Bears first touchdown and, and the Bears certainly built momentum off of that. 
Yeah, to me, the worst part was not, I mean, obviously the fumble was, and the, the missed pitch was horrendous, but when Josh tried to pick the ball up instead of falling on yeah. it, like that was that was a really big rookie mistake. I think the one good thing that came out of all that was he went back on the sidelines, according to teammates, and kind of told everybody, hey, that was my fault. I'm going to win the game for us. I'm going to give me the ball. I'll make it up to you. And they all had faith in him. And obviously, he also had an elbow injury, but he came back in and, and, and made some big runs and was really the key guy on offense for him. So definitely, I think the teammates saw him make a mistake, they saw him bounce back from it, they saw him win the game. So I think for him, it just builds up his aura and his, you know, his standing on his teammates even, even more. Yeah, I think what happened on the play was they came out the huddle with two plays. It was going to be a stretch handoff or a toss. And, you know, even though the stretch um, aiming point is outside, usually stretch will cut back inside. So I think what happened with the Bears really clogged up the inside. So Carr gave a kill call to tossed the ball and Jacobs didn't hear the, the kill call and he was still running downhill like he was going to run a stretch. Carr tossed it and, you know, like we talked about, he, he Jacobs should have jumped on it. Uh, but, I mean, you could tell Jacobs was running angry and, and there's a big difference when Jacobs is getting the ball or, you know, compared to if Washington Richard is getting the ball. He just, he, he looks like he has a better burst. He makes really good decisions and cuts and he, he seems to always fall forward or, or break a tackle or two. Yeah, nice spin on that twenty-one yard run. Definitely, he has all the weapons you'd want in a, in a top top running back, and just um, I, you know, it's just a high high ceiling. And he got some targets today. Yeah, yeah. Um, so not long after that play, of course, the uh, the Raiders you know give up another touchdown after they have an empty offensive drive, and then another punt, the the big Tariq Cohen uh, punt return that set up the their go ahead score. And it, it just felt like, I mean, at twenty-one seventeen, did anybody? think that the Raiders were going to be able to, to recover and win this game. It, it just felt like there was so much momentum going downhill that um, this is this is the kind of game we've seen the Raiders lose so many times, right? Yeah, I, I for sure thought they were going to lose. Oh, man, I, that, I mean, I mentioned a third and eight pass which for two yards, which kind of goes forgotten now, but really that was a huge moment. You're like, oh, my God, what was that? And just like, I mean, they're going to lose going out like that. But then again, you know, things happen, and they were resilient. Like you said, they were a resilient bunch. Gruden said they are mentally tough, and it showed. They kept coming back through after all this adversity the last two weeks, and they won two in a row. I think the moment that I, I kind of started doubting the Raiders in this game was when um, that Worley had that interception, and then they got the roughing the penalty uh, pass, a penalty called against Mo Hurst. And at that point, you know, they get 15 yards on that. I thought it was going to uh, put them in good position to score, and um, you know, credit to them, they stopped them and they ended up winning the game. Yeah, I mean that penalty was just ridiculous. I mean, it, it actually—I don't know if you guys saw the uh, the one called in the in the Packers Cowboys game. Actually, not the most ridiculous roughing the passer call of of the day. Uh, in that game, there was one where a guy just kind of slapped Dak Prescott's helmet as he was running by. He scrambled for a first down, and then we're we're hearing a flag call, and and they're they're throwing a penalty for roughing the passer. And I'm like, how is this guy? How did this guy run for a first down? We've got a roughing the passer. But anyways, uh, the Mohurst one was. Was pretty awful. I mean, and I just I don't, you know, we know the refs are are, are terrible with these calls. They they just they flag everything. I, I mean, I wonder at some point um, we saw the the momentum that happened after the bad call in the playoff game where they decided that uh, pass interference would be reviewable. With as impactful as some of these roughing the roughing the passer calls are, especially when they negate a turnover. It, it, to me, it seems like at some point I don't like the idea of slowing the game down, but. You got to feel like you might have to start reviewing some of these to to see. I mean, is this really a call that you should be making at that time? 
Yeah, definitely. I just think that, um, yeah, I mean, even if you go to review and review it, I mean, how, what are you looking for? Looking for the body weight transference? Looking for like how much weight he puts on the guy? I just don't know what he can do as far as trying to figure out what the guy's intentions were versus what he does when he gets the guy down. But the, the Hurst one seemed so obvious because he Hurst hit him while he was throwing the ball, and he did put some weight on him, but you could tell that he was trying to turn sideways to stay off of the quarterback. So that that one was just really confusing for me. Yeah, I mean, it was that was bad. I mean, and I think the other moment that it was a brief moment, but the other moment where you had to feel like, okay, this is just not happening was, you know, Vic referenced the third and eight play where, you know, it set up the punt that they ended up with uh, uh, the, the fourth and one and they and they fake it. <laughs> they go to give it to Eric Harris and he gets it and then he fumbles it. Obviously, it ended up being that the elbow was down, but I think uh, in the split second before we saw the review, uh, that that was one which just like this is this is just too much going against this team. A funny note: I didn't have a chance to put in my story. I'll probably do it uh, tomorrow. But talking to Eric Harris about that play, he said he's there. I know they have the call ready to go, and was about to hike it. And the whole base defense is yelling "fake, fake, fake." <laughs> so he hasn't he hasn't carried the ball since high school. He said he's like, "Oh my god." He's like, so the whole defense is looking, is looking for the fake and gets the ball and it gets the four yards. And all of a sudden, you know, the ball comes out. He said he knew, he knew his elbow was always down. Never, yeah. never doubted that the call be reversed. But still, imagine being a guy like that who hasn't touched the ball, you know, since, since high school. And you hear your big chance. And the whole defense kind of is looking for, a, looking for a fake. Yeah, I can tell. When you're in a crowd like that, you got to have two hands on the ball. And he was just holding it with one hand the whole time. So, you know, you got – it got reversed, but you know if they do that pick again, Harris has got to have two hands on the ball, especially in a in a crowd like that. Come on, he had he, he had his hands on the ball last week with the uh, with the pick six, so uh, yeah, he's uh, no, but yeah, that's that was a scary moment if you're a Raider fan that just uh, felt like this game was going to find a way to get away from you. But um, overall, uh, it's it's a really good win. I mean, it's a win that. I mean, last week was impressive in just kind of the way they, they took control of the game and beat a good team on the road. This was impressive in the way that they, they fought back and showed resiliency. Um, it felt it was a surprising win just kind of in everything that how it went. Uh, so I, I think, Vic, I mean, for you, this is the most surprising win for the Raiders since when would you say? Yeah, I was thinking, about, I was thinking maybe since that Thursday night game against the Chiefs where they had all those uh, plays at the end and finally with the, the crab tree and they won it. That was a very surprising game, but... Um... Yeah, definitely. It's been a while. I mean, it definitely was a game where you thought they were overmatched and they had some injuries and a lot of things went against them and they still won against a very good team. Yeah, I mean, I always go back. This is, I mean, kind of the game that everyone thinks about when you think of the the Derek Carr, Khalil Mack type eras. That opener in 2016 against the Saints, uh, just going toe-to-toe with Drew Brees is, is just so difficult and you just always felt like, he was going to find a way to win that game. And, and when they when they won that and went for two point, the two-point conversion, I just, you know, that that was that was a surprising, gutsy move and all that. And, and we know how much that win set the tone. Um, that was one that I walked away surprised from. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, this one this one feels right up there just because getting to three and two for this team is pretty significant. Yeah, th- this, the, this one kind of felt like in 2016 when – they played the Broncos, and the Broncos had that really, really strong defense. And the Raiders just ran the ball up, up their gut, up the gut against them. And I think they rushed for close two hundred yards or, or over against over. them. And it, you know, it was kind of the same game plan here, where they just ran the ball, secured the ball, um, had, you know, had some big plays off play action in the passing game, and um, it, f- it felt similar to that. 
And that game was a, a short week. They had played the Monday night game in Mexico City. I think it was a holiday week. It was Thanksgiving that week. So that was that was one of those kind of like a lot of things stacked up against us and stacked up against them, and they found a way to to really just kind of dominate. Yeah, you mentioned this win coming, you know, ahead of a bye. It's also huge. It's the confidence that it builds. And John gave them the whole week off in practice. So they'll be back um, next weekend. But definitely the locker room was just a buzz. Everyone's feeling great and they're very positive about where this team is going. So I just think having that going into a bye and kind of feeding off that could be huge the rest of the way. Yeah, people didn't didn't quite get your tweet, Vic. I, I think they thought that that was a joke. They, they don't understand that teams generally do not just go right. People don't people don't people don't realize that people that a lot of teams do have a couple practices before they break for the bye. So it actually is they they thought you were joking when you tweeted that he's giving them the week off. But yeah, because that's that's not the case. So usually teams practice. I think generally our past experience they practice maybe up until Thursday and then they give them like the four or five days off uh, over the weekend. Uh, so nice nice little treat for them. I think the situation is a little different because they're, you know, they've been on a road for so long already. And, you know, the time zone changes that uh, it'd be nice for them to get a week to just really fully recover. And, you know, obviously they're going to be sending game plan stuff to them probably during the week. Um, But, yeah, not practicing and recovering for for the week might be a good idea. Yeah, I mean, this gives them a chance to kind of reset. I mean, we call this a five game road trip. We call this six game six weeks away from home. But. Now that you've gotten through the first three games of it at two and one, and you have a bye where you are going to get to have this whole week to just kind of get away from it, then it you can kind of you know compartmentalize it down to now it's a two game road trip and you've already done well on this three game road trip. Now this is just its own kind of separate two game road trip after you have a whole week at home. And they're holding this whole new Smash Mouth identity, and then after the bye, they get back Gabe Jackson probably. Probably I think I think will be back. So that's just another huge thing for this old line, which is already looking really good. I mean, Gabe Gabe's a bad mofo, so I just think that gives you more of a. Um, physical presence even you had so i just think everything's kind of going in the right direction yeah and green bay you could run the ball in green bay they have a tough defense but the the one weakness they have is um the, their run defense so you know who knows maybe they, they could do, have a similar type of success that they had against uh, the bears against green bay you know before we get out of here vic this is your first time kind of checking out this new uh new stadium um I mean, it, it seemed like uh, this place was, was pretty remarkable. I know Derek Carr was gushing about it in the post-game uh, press conference. Uh, how do you can compare this to uh, to the experience of uh, being at games in Wembley? I mean, I know Wembley is kind of the historic stadium, but uh, what, what was this place like? Yeah, it's top-notch. I mean, really, the, the sight lines are great. I think all the fans are pretty happy. It's, it's a full crowd. Just um, everything was, it was just like a really nice, uh, beautiful atmosphere. And just uh, the weather cooperated. It's a little, you know. It's outdoor slash indoor. It was, most of it's covered, but it was in from the hole in the middle. But, um, yeah, just a really an elegant evening of uh, football. Elegant evening of football. All right. Well, uh, before we uh, before we let you go, we just got to ask, uh, how uh, how did you behave on this trip? Yeah, I'm not, not going to sing. I know you wanted me to sing. Uh... Uh, the, misbehaving due to the, my Fats Waller story. But we have some hard-working Chicago media here in this lounge. And they've had a rough day. They don't want to hear me <laughs> sing. <laughs> the guy, the guy vacuuming me here in the lounge doesn't want to hear me sing. So, we'll save a song for uh, for Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, you should have sang on the bus ride home like you did in uh, in Mexico City a few years ago. <laughs> that was good stuff. I remember, what was <laughs> that song? I was. Uh, we got him singing. Dolores. Merry Christmas. 
All right, guys. Well, uh, hey, the Raiders are heading into the bye at three and two, and uh, they're in sole possession. They're sole possession of second place. I mean, the, even, uh, the Broncos. Even you two, even, even you two homers didn't have them three and two, did you? When we had the picks at the uh, the pizza place in Linguini's? I think I did. No. Have, wait, did I? Oh, I think. Oh, I think Ted might have had him at like four and one. Wow. No, I did not have him at four and one. Had him at three and two. I, I, I had him at two and three in that in the pre AB world. I mean, um, the, the sad thing is, I really I, I think this is what happened at Linguini's. I believe I picked the Raiders to win this game. You did. Then I backed I backed off our podcast last week. I had the Raiders losing but still covering. And then when the receivers mispracticed, I changed it to the Bears covering. I changed my pick three times and made it worse every step of the way. I had him. Okay, oh, that's brutal. Well, Ted had him losing twenty-four to three. He had him only—he had not even scoring a touchdown. Wow! I didn't. I had no faith. He had but no faith. I did have him at three and two, though. I remember the, the two losses I had uh, predicted was the Vikings and Bears. So, so I think I think the moral of the story is when you make all kinds of predictions throughout the past two months, they're all just <laughs> worthless. We're all going against each other and ourselves. Too many predictions. Too many predictions. Yeah, I mean those those podcast predictions were obviously in the pre A B world, which uh, yeah, that's that's a world who need, that doesn't who need, exist. Who needs A B? Who needs Tyrell Williams? Who needs J J Nelson? All you got, you got receivers are overrated. Who, who needs more receivers? Is, more time. Josh receivers. Jacobs is all you need. All you need is Jacobs Josh Jacobs and, and Foster Moreau. Once in a while, I throw about a Waller. Just keep him honest, and then um, probably no more uh, goal line passes to, to Davis. I'm, we'll, we'll lose that one from the from the playbook. But um, I mean, you know what? If, if you look at that play. I don't know. Play. There's a whole lot he can do. I mean, the the the, the play by the defender. I mean, he just got that punch in at the absolute perfect spot. I I don't know. If there's a whole lot you can complain about uh, in terms of Trevor Davis on that play. All right, fair enough. All right, we have forgiven Trevor Davis. There you go. All right, guys. Well, I think that'll wrap up this week's show. We will let Vic uh, rest up and and make his way back to the states, and uh, we will talk to you guys again during the bye week. Talk to you later. All right, guys. Adios. For more exclusive weekly content, visit theathletic.com slash state of the nation.